her partial promises can rob us from the full design of destiny that God has ordained for our lives. I don't know about you, but some of us have made the decision that we've come too far to be denied destiny now. We are willing to pay any price that God asks for our destiny. Hi, I'm Dr. Michelle Corral, and settling for partial promises becomes the backdrop from a culture of compromise that we see that developed in the era of the judges. Today, I will be addressing the prophetic secrets, how you can possess the full promises that God has ordained for your life. And we will see dangers that can detour our destiny and detour us completely off course. But before we do that, I want to invite you today to go to our website at mydayofdestiny.com where you can receive my latest book, Secrets of the Anointing. In the book, Secrets of the Anointing, I share from 42 years of ministry, smuggling Bibles into China and baptizing many hundreds of people, indigenous peoples in Africa in leech infested waters. I teach God's people how to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, especially from the era of being influenced through the ministry of Catherine Coleman. You won't want to miss it. Go to our website today at mydayofdestiny.com where you can order secrets of the anointing and also you can enjoy any of the podcasts that you have heard over the past few weeks. Now, beloved saints, let's go to today's teaching and let's get ready to possess full possession of promises that God has ordained for your life. At the end of the book of Joshua, Joshua addresses the children of Israel in the middle of allotting the land of promise to the tribes. And he says to them, how long will you be slack in going up to possess the land that the Lord your God has given you? You know, I've often wondered about this word slack. And in the original Hebrew language is the word rafaf. And for Joshua, this word is a very chosen, elected word that he placed in the scripture because of a familiar situation that when he first came out of Egypt, where the children of Israel were involved in double-mindedness, slack, and lukewarmness, which brought on an unnecessary attack of Amalek against the children of Israel in a place called Rephidim. So for Joshua, how long will you be slack in going up to possess the promises that God has ordained for you and going up to possess the land meant how long are you going to be in a state of complacency, a condition of 
complacency that is actually going to be an enemy against going up to possess the promises that God has ordained in your life. Beloved saints, let's go back and look, if you will, at the book of Judges and let us see in the time of the Judges how during the era of the Judges, the children of Israel settled for partial promises. First of all, when Joshua went to heaven to be with the Lord, the Bible says in Judges chapter one, verse one, now after the death of Joshua, it came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, who shall go up against the Canaanites first to fight against them? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up for I have delivered the land into his hand. Now, first of all, I want you to see that God is speaking in the past tense. Before Judah ever went up for any battles, God already promised victory. He said, I have delivered the land into his hand. Now, I want you to see something about faith. God did not say, I will deliver. God did not say, I hope to deliver. God did not say uh, that It is pending that they will be delivered. No, God said in the past tense, I have delivered the land into his hand. So therefore, we know that Judah was elected. Judah was selected to go into the land of promise, to go up first and to lead the tribes of Israel into full possession of promises. And the text begins to litigate in the beginning of the book of Judges to present a case, an argument, an argument that says we cannot go up to possess the land. The chariots of iron are in the land and we cannot go up to possess it. I want you to see the preface in the book of Judges is going to condemn the condition of compromise because their destiny was to possess the land no matter how difficult it looked outwardly. God already said, I have given the land into their hand. Now, I want you to understand what we're about to read is not written so we know it happened. It is not written so that we just read it, read the Bible, beloved, like a textbook. God has written these principles of power in his word so that when you come up against difficulties, you will know that difficulty cannot stop you from possessing your destiny. No matter how difficult it is, you were engineered by God. You were created by God to be God's champion, to bring down the giants, to be able to take full possession of the promises of God. Let's look at the track record of Judah and let us see his 100% victory when he first began to go into the land of promise and lead the children of Israel into the battle. And let us see what suddenly came to a screeching halt 
When in his mind, he accepted defeat. You know, beloved saints, you can never go down in defeat. Do not accept defeat. Now, there is a difference between carrying the cross that God has called you to carry and accepting defeat. I want you to know it's never God's will for you to accept defeat. It's always God's will for you to go forward in victory, even if you think that the end is not victory. It will always end up in victory. The Bible says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, let us be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Even as we know that our labor is not in vain in the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. Let us look now at Judges and begin to see. First, we have established the fact that Judah asked the question, who shall go up first? Or all of Israel asked, who shall go up first to possess the land and to fight against the Canaanites? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up for I have given past tense. It's already done. No question about it. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. We have God's word to stand on. And if we have a word, we have a way. God said, Judah shall go up. Now we are seeing that Judah is selecting who is going to go to battle with him. And in verse seven, we see that Judah captured one of the giants and also 10 kings. Here we see a victory in Jerusalem. Going to verse eight, then we see the children of Israel fought against Jerusalem. This means the Jebusites, not the established city that David built. Here we see that the Jebusites were defeated with the end edge of the sword. Then the Bible goes on to continue to litigate in verse nine, that Judah is gaining miraculous momentum. He is going forward in faith. He is not being defeated by any kind of compromise. He will not receive compromise. He is going forward in faith and he is in this place of miraculous momentum. And verse nine says, and afterward, The children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites and Judah went against the Canaanites, hallelujah, and also had victory. Then we see in verse 12, Caleb had victory. Then we go down to verse 17 and Judah went with Simeon, his brother, and slew the Canaanites that that inhabited Zephath. Now here we are seeing all of these cities that Judah is taking one after another, strongholds of the Canaanite Uh, strongholds in the land of Canaan. And now we come to verse 18. And Judah took Gaza and the coast thereof with Ashkelon, even being able to capture the Philistine cities, such as Gaza, such as Ashkelon, such as Ekron. He is having 100% victory until. Now I'm going to tell you I pray that not one of us that is listening to this teaching today will ever come to the place until. I pray pray there will never be an until in your life because an until can divert you from your destiny. An until can contaminate your faith. 
and until can stop you in your steadfastness. This is why you have to be so keenly uh, astute to the devil's attacks when you are on a place of possessing the promises. Look and see what happens. The Bible says Judah took Gaza with the coast thereof, and Ashkelon, with the coast thereof, meaning the territory, and Ekron, with the territory thereof. And the Lord was with Judah, and he drove out the inhabitants of the mountains, but he could not drive out the inhabitants of the valley because they had chariots of iron. Now stop right here. When did God ever say, I'm going to give you 100% victory, but when you come to the chariots of iron, you're not going to be able to drive them out. You see, beloved saints, it's not that Judah could not, it's that Judah would not. And you see, beloved saints, so Often when we come up against a challenge, when we see something that is so intimidating, so often we allow what is intimidating to become manipulating in our decisions so that we stop serving God, so that we settle for less, so that we think it's God's will for partial possession of the promises when it's God's will for you to fully possess. Notice we read in Judges chapter 1 that God said, I have given him the land. We read nowhere in these verses that God changed his mind. We need read nowhere in these verses that God is saying only in the mountains or only in the places where there are no chariots of iron. You see, beloved people, Judah allowed the chariots of iron to cause him to stay stuck in a position of compromise that actually allowed the children of Israel to believe that it was God's will to only possess the promises partially. How do we know this? Because we see, because Judah was the head. Judah Judah was the one that God chose for the kingship. And even though Judah, uh, David had not yet been born and will not be born till generations later, we see that Judah in his mindset of compromise, this consistency in the context that the Bible is laying out for us after one win after another, when he settled for less, we see that the entire nation of Israel is going to now develop a culture based on compromise, based on partial promises, not going for the full possession of promises. So the question arises, why? Sometimes because individuals become spiritually apathetic and we're not willing to go into the battle that's going to cost us everything that we've got. We're not willing to go into the battle where there is going to require greater prayer, greater consecration, greater faith, greater believing God for the impossible. So we settle for less. Look and see what the scripture is showing us. Now, remember, this is the preface 
to the book of Judges. And I'm going to tell you why the book of Judges begins with a preface like this. Because the prophet Samuel, who is the author of the book of Judges, is going to present a case to Israel. And the case is that God is going to raise up judges that are completely unqualified for the position of being military leaders in Israel. They are going to be elected on the fact that they were the ones that were least expected to be in the position of leadership. You see, every single one of the judges have a common denominator of destiny. And that common denominator of destiny is imperfection as the criteria of their election. They were chosen on the basis of being unqualified. They were chosen on the basis of their weakness. As a matter of fact, in the book of Judges, if you did not have a weakness or you did not have a social stigma, if you did not have a physical defect or some type of imperfection, you could not qualify for the election of being a judge. Why? Because God is going to prove that it was not by might and not by power, but by his spirit. And that Judah made a deadly decision to not say, I can do all things. I can go up and drive out those chariots of iron. And this is a spiritual litigation that the prophet Samuel is presenting by argument in the beginning of the book of Judges to say, Israel, you missed God's divine appointment. You missed your appointment with destiny. You settled for less. When the going got tough, Instead of the tough get going, you settled. You said, I cannot. Beloved saints, I want you to know right now, there is nothing that is impossible to you. These are not my words. These were the words of Jesus. Jesus said, nothing shall be impossible to you. So it is up to you. Destiny does not come by chance. Destiny comes by choice. You must make the decision. There is no such thing as a free pass to destiny. Now let us look. Why did Judah make this deadly decision? Because it put Israel in a spiritual slump. And now all of the tribes are going to follow in the same footsteps as Judah, it will now become a culture of compromise, thinking that it's God's will not to drive out the chariots of iron, but God is going to prove to them it is his will to drive out the chariots of iron. Because if you allow the devil to take just a little tiny foothold, if you give him just a little thumbnail, just a little bit of the possession that God has promised you. Child of God, let me tell you right now, he's not going to just take a little bit. He will come back again because you gave him permission to take a little bit of your destiny. He'll He'll begin to start taking the whole thing. And before you know it, within a year or two, you can become deceived out of your own destiny. And why? Because the devil took, took permission. You see, we give the devil permission by allowing him 
admission into certain ways of thinking. You and I have to say, in the name of Jesus, you're not taking my destiny. In the name of Jesus, I'm not going to allow you to establish this as a pattern in my destiny. I don't care what I have to do. If I have to get uh, 10 warriors backing me up in prayer, three days of fasting and battling against the enemy, you are not taking my territory. You're not taking my dream. You're not taking my destiny. I apply the blood of Jesus against you because this is war, because God has already promised this to me and I'm not about to be denied destiny now. I've come too far to pay, to allow the devil to rob me with some crazy condition of compromise by thinking it's God's will to possess partial promises. Jesus did not die on the cross for us to possess partial promises. He died on the cross to make you a champion. He died on the cross so that you would go up and fully possess the promises that God has ordained in your life. Let us see. Notice once that Judah accepted this as normal, this is not normal. Once Judah accepted this as normal, the Bible says in verse 27, neither did Manasseh drive out the inhabitants of Bethshan. And it came to pass when Israel was strong that they put the Canaanites to the tribute. Why didn't Israel drive them out if they were strong? All right, notice verse 30. Neither did Zebulun drive out the inhabitants of Kitron. Neither did Asher drive out the inhabitants of Akko. Notice this continues on as a precipitated preface that the Bible is showing us before it presents to us the judges. Now, beloved saints, I am going to present to you someone who drove out the chariots of iron. And no, beloved saints, it was not a skilled warrior. No, beloved saints, it was not new weapons that were designed to annihilate the enemy. No, beloved saints, it was not through a strategized method of gathering all Israel together because now the compromise was so strong that Israel now developed a culture of compromise and believed it's God's will to not war, to believe it's God's will to settle for less. And so... The Bible says in Judges chapter four, the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of the Canaanites, that reigned in Hazor. The captain of the host was Syria in Harosheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron. And he mightily oppressed the children of Israel for 20 years. You give the devil an inch, he's going to take a mile. Now watch what God's going to do. God is going to say, as soon as we get in line with God's word, as soon as the enemy knows he cannot deceive us out of our destinies, as soon as we know without a shadow of a doubt, it is not God's will for us to settle for partial promises that we are going to possess 
everything that Jesus died on the cross to give us, that we are going to take full possession, a complete possession of promises and prophecies given to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We will not allow a culture of compromise to rob us. I don't care how popular it is. Child of God, it's God's will for you to go up. It doesn't matter about difficulty. Difficulty cannot stop you from your destiny. So here, let us see. The Bible says, and Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lapidot, she judged Israel at that time. Now, this is the first time we have an indication of a woman being a judge. Notice it says at that time, when it's God's time, God will change the system just for you to be put in place. And God ordained that Deborah would be put in place because of the chariots of iron. And he did this to show Israel way back in the time of Judah, when you said that you couldn't watch a woman, watch someone who is really disqualified for this position, who is not a major military leader, who is a prophetess, wife of Lapidot, but know that she has no outward military strategy or skill. She is really a person who should be unqualified to lead the for, the uh, the troops of Israel into battle, but she has spiritual strategies that are going to bring down the chariots of iron. And as a matter of fact, Deborah, if you study her personality profile, she was not some pushover. She was very strong. She was a woman of no nonsense. She didn't put up with anything. As a matter of fact, in the song of Deborah, she rebukes the tribes who did not come forward to fight in the war. It wasn't it wasn't Israel's loss because Israel won. It was their loss. They missed out on their own day of destiny because they were so addicted and conditioned to compromise. Like Reuben, she in the song of Deborah tells the the sons of Reuben. And where was Reuben in this fight? Uh, they were listening to the bleeding of the sheep. The bleeding of the sheep refers to the land where Reuben inhabited near Gilead on the other side. Well, Gilead belonged to Manasseh, but on the other side of the Jordan where flocks and herds could graze just wonderfully. And she says in the song of Deborah, and where was Dan? Dan was doing business with the merchants in the ships because Dan was near the Mediterranean Sea and the tribe of Dan was known for their merchandising. And she praises the troops that came and the tribes that jeopardized their lives unto the death. Because you see, dear child of God, the Bible says they overcame him with the blood of the lamb. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. They overcame him with the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death. Let us see what happens here. Because Deborah now, who dwelt under the palm tree of Deborah, the Bible says the children of Israel came up to her for judgment in verse five. Now, what I want you to see is not a boring narrative. What I want you to see is personal, powerful, prophetic, and relevant. We are seeing that Deborah is prophesying. Deborah is executing judgment. Deborah is speaking the word of the living God. And notice what the text is teaching us. They came up to her for judgment. This is not so much about location 
as it is that they came up in spiritual elevation to the next level. Because when you hear the word of God, bondages break. When you hear the word of God, when the prophetic word of God in full revelation is being taught to you, you can't stay stuck in a place of bondage. You must come up. And so the prophesying of Deborah, not just prophesying the futures, but the prophesying of God's word under the palm tree of Deborah caused Israel to come up. So this means a sober awakening out of their state of compromise began to break. Bondages began to break and Israel began began to become prepared to possess full possession of promises and go to war because now you've got to get your stuff back from the enemy. You see, beloved saints, let me tell you, if you give the enemy an inch, he's going to take a mile. And now to get your stuff back, you're going to have to roll up your sleeve and pronounce a relentless attack against him. He should not be attacking you. How about you attacking him? How about you preparing a spiritual strategy through prayer, letting God give you the design in his word? When you open up his word, let him talk to you. Let him tell you what the battle plan is and you will get your stuff back. You will get your territory back. You will get your business back. You will get your marriage back. You will get your dream back. You will get your prophecy back. It is not God's will to settle for partial promises. Notice what she's doing. Verse six. And she called Barak, the son of Abinoam, uh, of Kadesh Naphtali. Now, I want you to see, she's going to command everyone to gather in a place called Kadesh. We see Kadesh, Naphtali, mentioned in verse 6. Then we see the shortened version, Kadesh, uh, in verse 10. And we see the shortened version of Kadesh in verse 9. Let me read you an example. So Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Now we are going to see in verse 10, a shortened version of Kadesh Naphtali as Kadesh. Notice again in verse 10, the Bible says in Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kadesh. What is this about Kadesh? Why does the text keep repeating uh, this word Kadesh? Kadesh means to make holy. Now, I want you to understand something. The prophet Samuel is giving us some insight. Number one, the first supernatural secret of breaking the chariots of iron and driving the enemy out of your territory and taking back what the Lord has promised, taking back the territory, reestablishing your destiny and, and saying, I've come too far to be denied destiny now. This first supernatural step is that you've got to come up. You've got to come up to the next level. So that means, child, you cannot live on pablum your whole life. You need to get off the pablum and get on the meat of God's word. And that, beloved, is going to take prayer and it's going to take some discipline. Secondly, the second thing we need to do is that the Bible is telling us here, remember, this is a blueprint for breakthrough. We are not reading dead history. We are reading the supernatural secrets that are going to cause us to possess our promises. I'm not talking to babies today. I'm talking to those who are so determined that you say, God, I cannot, I cannot live in this spiritual slump anymore. I've got to go up and possess the promises. I've got to go forward and God will honor it. Beloved, 
it. If you just give the Lord just a little bit, he'll take over. It's not your works, your righteousness. If you just say by faith, I'm giving you something to work with, Lord, other than apathy. I'm giving you something to work with. I'm making a consecration. God will take over the whole thing. God will do the rest. You do your part. God will do his. All right, let's see. And remember, it takes grace to do everything. We're not talking about works. Let's get over that. We're not talking about works of man. There's no way we could even so much as even pray without grace. There's no so much... There's not even, we can't even get out of bed without grace. We need grace for everything. So we're not talking about cheap grace here. We are talking about the kind of grace that Jesus Christ died on the cross to give us, to make us champions, to make us say, I'm not going to quit, to make us say the devil is a liar, to make us say, I'm rolling up my sleeve and I'm going out to get the possession of promises. The devil cannot have my children. The devil cannot have my stuff. Now watch this. Beloved saints, the Bible says here, uh, as we look at the word of God, we're seeing here that Deborah arose and notice all of the meeting places are in a place called Kadesh, a place to make holy. So the first supernatural secret is that she brought them up and we see that coming up is not so much about is about a location as it is spiritual elevation into the next thing that God has for you. Secondly, we are seeing that this battle has to be fought in a place called Kadesh. That means if I am going to go to war, I need to make sure my heart's right with God. That means if I really want victory fast and I really want to appropriate all the grace that God has given us, number one, we need to say, am I holding a grudge against somebody? Uh, am I in a state of anger? Have I been walking in unforgiveness? Now, child of God, if you're stuck in unforgiveness and you refuse to forgive somebody for some piddly little thing they did to you, that you can't even remember that what they did, or were holding any kind of grudge, you can't fight this battle in Kadesh. You, you and I need to say to the Lord, Lord, I receive your grace right now to forgive whoever it is. I am the righteousness of God in Christ, and I receive the grace of God to walk holy before God. I receive right now the grace to forgive no matter what they did to me, no matter how hard it is, Lord, you can give me the grace to just want to a little bit to forgive them and he'll take over the rest. Before you know it, you will be loving the person that injured you. And that in itself is a mighty weapon of war because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Now, finally, child of God, we fight the battle in Kadesh in a place of consecration and we see that she caused the people to come up through her prophesying. Now, beloved saints, we will see in the Song of Deborah, we will see that, of course, the war was won. And the chariots of iron were driven out of the land. 900 of them through a little woman. 900 of them and also uh, the two captain, the captain of the host, Jabin, the king of Canaan, and also Sisera, his captain, were destroyed by Yael. Yael was also a woman. God allowed this to happen to show Israel. Judah, I got a word for you. 
it wasn't because you could not, it's because you would not. And the moment we accept partial promises, the moment we accept compromise, then our entire destinies can change. And it wasn't God who changed it. It was we who changed it. I'm going to close with this. Deborah, in praising God and offering the praise toward the Lord for the victory, she says, Praise the Lord in Judges 5 for the avenging of Israel when the people willingly offered themselves. Again, we see verse 9. My heart is toward the governors of Israel that offered themselves willingly. Notice in verse 18, Zebulun and Naphtali were a people who jeopardized their lives unto the death. What does this mean? This means this may cost you something. This means that it may cost death to your will, death to your wants, death to your desires, death to the flesh, or to something that we thought was going to be easy and it became a bit difficult. But difficulty does not mean that we've been denied destiny. It only means that our destiny is so great that once we overcome the difficulty, we will fully possess it and it's worth the cost. Don't settle for less, beloved. Go forward to the highest place that God has called you. You are a champion. You are God's winner. You shall succeed. It is your destiny to do so. Now, beloved saints, for those of you who would like to be part of a worldwide campaign to help the poorest of the poor, Christians who are in need as well in third world countries, such as feeding programs, water wells, helping the abandoned elderly to live, indigenous grocery programs, and many other works with the church in Pakistan, pastors in India that are greatly challenged, you can join us in our Hesed Worldwide Global Mission. And you can do that by sowing seed today. You could go to breathofthespirit.org. You can do this also by texting to give. You can text today. Text Hesed, C-H-E-S-E-D, and text it to 77977. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you very soon.